My name is Lewis Goodman, host of the Love Thy Lawyer podcast. Today, we're going to talk to someone who is not a lawyer. He is a licensed California private investigator and the owner of the IV firm. He is a former Oakland police officer. He has also worked in other departments as well, including San Francisco Police Department. He has investigated hundreds of serious felony offenses, including fatal accidents, narcotics enforcement, commercial and residential burglaries, and a host of other criminal matters. He is involved in extensive community service through Rotary International, and to his great credit, he works with attorneys. Chris Eggers, welcome to Love Thy Lawyer. Lewis, thanks for having me. I appreciate it very much. I appreciate your being here. It's nice to talk to someone who's not a lawyer once in a while, but someone who has had extensive experience in the legal system from a slightly different angle. Tell me a little bit about the investigative agency that you now own. Sure. So it is called the IV firm. IV stands for the Roman numeral four. The Fourth Amendment is my favorite amendment. It's just super important when investigating crime, right, or criminal activity. So that's uh, that's how I chose the name. Where are you located? So I physically live in Truckee, but I am focused on my business is focused in Northern California mainly. Where are you from originally? I was born and raised in Livermore, California. I went to Granada High School. I briefly held the mile record at Granada High School. I was a competitive runner throughout high school and college. What was your best uh, mile time? My best mile time equates to about 4.07. I ran that at when I ran for Chico State. I'm an All-American in cross country. I finished 11th in the national championships one year, and I'm a junior All-American in the steeplechase, which is a fun event to watch. You mentioned Chico State. Is that where you went to college after high school? It is. That's where I went to college. It was, it was, it was a great place to go. Bidwell Park is one of the largest municip- municipal parks in the country. So we very rarely had to run on pavement, which, you know, at 60, 70, 80 miles a week with long runs on Sundays ranging from, you know, 10 to 15 miles is is a big deal. Well, I've actually been in Chico twice in my life. And once I was there for a marathon. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't running it. I was helping a friend who was who was running it. It was kind of like being his caddy. One of my one of my goals in life is to never run a marathon. At Chico State, you were obviously involved with track and field. What sort of academic ventures did you take up there? I majored in in communication studies and, you know, that that was a lot of public speaking, which never bothered me. I don't mind. I don't mind crowds. I don't mind speaking to strangers. I think that's part of the reason why inherently I was fairly successful in law enforcement is, you know, the ability to develop relationships with folks, create relationships and, and some find some sort of commonality out of thin air. Policing or law enforcement was more of a salesman point of view. You know, I had to sell you into an idea of, of doing what I wanted you to do, right? And to me, that was the path of least resistance rather than going hands-on or grabbing people or being, you know, this authoritative figure. How did you first decide that you were interested in police work? When did you get involved in that? So I became a cop when I was 26. I went in the academy when I was, you know, I had actually I had just turned 26 and I have a family friend who works in the government and he actually put it in my brain. He's like, you know, you'd be, you know, you'd be a great cop. You should, you should, you know, you should go apply. So I had job offers from Oakland and San Francisco, but Oakland had called me first. So I went there and thank God, because that, that was the, 
the best time that I had working in law enforcement was in Oakland. And I think what really helped shape my career. What did your friends and family think when you said, Hey, I want to go be a police officer. I think, well, I know, you know, my parents were worried, you know, you know, Oakland's a beautiful city. I have, I have such uh, a soft spot for Oakland, the city of Oakland, specifically East Oakland in my heart. It's a beautiful place. There are phenomenal people there and it can be really violent, but not, but that doesn't mean that they're bad, right? Like, and it's just a beautiful, I met so many wonderful people in Oakland, but it, but it's really violent. It can be very violent uh, and dangerous. And so my parents were worried. They got more worried when I accepted assignments that were, you know, riskier, if you will. I worked undercover for a period of time and, you know, they were happy for me though, because I was happy. So I'm thankful for that. But they, I think they were a little bit worried to be honest with you. What sort of undercover work did you do? I started working in prostitution and the goal there was to provide resources, you know, because these are human trafficking victims at the end of the day. And so our goal was to provide them with resources and to get them off the street and also away from, you know, their pimps. So that's where I started. But then I really begged for the opportunity to, to buy narcotics undercover. And I was allowed to do that. And I found a lot of success doing it. I don't know why, but you know, you get checked a lot, right? Like there's a, a sense of paranoia if, if you're selling drugs and, and rightfully so you don't want to, you don't want to get caught, but it was a, a very unique experience. One that I really just sort of, you know, dove headfirst into and I had a lot of success. Did you have much experience working with attorneys as a police officer, people in the DA's office, for example? Yeah, somewhat, but you know, not in a, not, not in a super intimate way. You know, a lot of preliminary hearings, some some jury trials. I was actually very surprised. So I have experience with DA's offices in three different counties, and, and they're all three very, very different. I'm sure you can, you know, attest to that or have some experience there as well. But I was really shocked at, at how different they all were. Can you be specific how, about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. San Mateo County was very well organized. There was a lot of discussion prior to the case, you know, prior to taking the stand, there was a lot of conversation about, you know, the report and the witnesses and what you did and your role and, you know, any potential issues that might come up. Oakland was a little bit of that, but not a lot. And then San Francisco was was zero. No, no prep work on the on the front end, in my experience. And I found that really interesting. And everybody works differently in the county is just, you know, the cultures are different. I don't know if have you do you have you experienced the same thing? Well, my only experience as a deputy district attorney was in Alameda County. Personally, I always tried to pre-try my witnesses, prep my witnesses, talk to my witnesses, whether they were police officers or civilians, but especially in a uh, 1538.5 or in a preliminary mm -hmm. hearing where there was going to be a 1538.5 as part of it, I would spend a fair amount of time with uh, my police witnesses because I felt it was the way to properly prepare the case. Right. Absolutely. And, and you can, you know, do a lot of troubleshooting, if you will, if it's done that way. But I, I always found it interesting that, you know, that was San Mateo County's take and Oakland a little bit less and San Francisco even less. Hmm. That's, that's, that's interesting. I was not really aware of that. And I, I don't know how much that has to do with the individual deputy DA or the culture of the office, but 
from my own experience in, in terms of any kind of trial preparation, just as an attorney, whether it's as a DA or a defense attorney, I, I want to talk to my witnesses and I want to be clear about you know what it is they're going to say and, and to be very uh, clear that they understand that the only thing they need to do is tell the truth. As attorneys, how could we as attorneys improve our working relationships with investigators? And I think you've just touched on that a little bit in terms of you know witness preparation, but there's a lot that leads up to actually going on a witness stand. And how could attorneys work better with investigators? And do you mean like you know private investigators on a case or um, an investigating officer? Well, let's or both. Let's let's talk about both. Let's talk first about the relationship with an investigating officer, as I guess from. I guess it would be unusual for you to really talk to a defense attorney very much as an investigating officer. No, not not, not much at all. How about in talking to the district attorney? We have people who are in the district attorney's office who listen to this podcast. Sure. And I think, you know, we, we kind of touched on it, but I, you know, just, just having, setting some time aside to have a conversation with the investigating officer about the case and, you know, any kind of intricacies that, that, you know, may come up in a prelim or, you know, motion to suppress or a trial, of course. And and you nailed it. You know, you you want to have that conversation with them to understand, you know, not only about the case, but also a little bit maybe about them if they have trouble testifying. And I know a lot of cops that, you know, the, the scariest point in their career is going to be when they take the stand. I, I personally don't have that. I love talking in public. The more, more people in front of me, the better. In this Zoom era, it's a little bit, you know, different because I can't gauge my audience. I don't have, you don't have that human touch that I personally really rely on in, in dealing with folks. But, you know, there are a lot of a lot of cops out there that are just definitely afraid of getting on the stand. How about in terms of working as a private investigator with attorneys? It's a totally different ballgame and one that I'm really enjoying. Again, it, it, there's, I think that there's there's some issues with with I don't want to say issues, but like. You know, so I was a police officer where, you know, basically I'm in charge. I go to a scene and I'm in charge. I run the show, right? Or I should run the show or I should know how it's going to be, how things need to be get done on scene. Now, you know, it's not, it, it's your bar card on the line, not mine, right? And so my role is is not necessarily the leader, but I, I view my role now as to be a good team player. Sometimes that's taking initiative and sometimes that's taking direction. And so I think... For attorneys, you know, one thing that I ask attorneys that I work with is, hey, you know, just a little bit of direction on, on, you know, how you see this going. How does this benefit you? You know, what would you like to see out of this? This is the attorney's case and I'm a tool for their benefit. And so it's a much different role that I'm playing now than when I was a police officer. Will you recommend law enforcement and investigations to a young person who was thinking about one of those careers as a career choice? Oh, that's a great question and one that it is really difficult to answer if I'm being completely honest with you. Gamble with the truth. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I respect anybody that does their job well and that wants to be in the position that they're in. You know, I think that to be successful in anything, you have to have a need or a desire to want to be there. And so if somebody does have a need or want or desire to be a police officer or, or an investigator, you know, go for it. And I'm happy to talk to anybody out there that might be listening to, to pick my brain because I, I do have a lot of experience there. Now, you steered yourself out of law enforcement into private investigations. I'm wondering what prompted that career move. Yeah. So 
not just private investigations. That's half of my business. The other half of my business is consulting in the cannabis space with respect to security. And that experience comes from, from working undercover. I spent a lot of time around admitted burglars and robbers and learned very intimately what the mindset was when they target a person, you know, place or business. That's the takeaway that I got out of working undercover. I, I, you know, realized very early on in that, in that time frame that, you know, I was getting a, a very, very inside view that very, very few cops get to have. What about the business of investigations? It's kind of a new business for you, but how's it gone for you so far? It's been, it's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. I'm learning a lot and, and I'm open to learning more. You know, I, I didn't come into this with the intention that I, that I am the end all be all and I know it all. Right. I, I am really laser focused on developing meaningful relationships in the industry and providing value where I can with my unique perspective and my unique background. How has being on the private side either met or differed from your expectations about it? I mean, it succeeded my expectations because I was very ready to leave law enforcement. And so I developed a plan and really looked at what I wanted to do and what where my skill sets could be applied. And, you know, I am an expert in burglary and robbery prevention. I'm really looking forward to, you know, using that in the cannabis space to help folks operate safely and, and within compliance of all local regulations, state regulations, et cetera. What do you think is the best advice you've ever received? Wow. Lewis. Phenomenal question. The best advice I ever received. Trust your gut. You know, I've heard that said different ways, but anytime that the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, I followed my instincts and I'm happy to say that, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I did. From your perspective in the criminal justice system, do you think it's fair? No, I don't think it's fair. I think that, you know, our our, our system is not fair, but our system should be applied equally to everybody, no matter what. Going to shift gears here a little bit. What about your uh, family life, personal life, recreational life? What sort of things do you enjoy doing outside of work? Well, we have a almost five month old. That's our first, and thank you. It's it's amazing. You know, twenty twenty was wild for everybody. That's that's without without a question. But you know, personally in my life. I, although I turned in my badge, you know, about a month ago, I had been off the street since August. I'm very, very blessed, you know, that my wife is my wife and I'm just really happy. So, you know, up here in the mountains, you know, we certainly, I split my time between the Bay Area and, and here, but that was in our plans. You know, my wife's from Tahoe City originally and they have some businesses in town. So moving up here was always in our plans. I just, it just sped up a little bit with, with 2020. We love hiking. We love skiing. You know, we, we love the outdoors. I'm a big wine guy. We love going wine tasting. You know, those are some of the activities that we like to do outside of outside of work. What kind of things keep you up at night? You know, there's no game plan for what I'm doing. There's, there's, I have a support system of folks and friends around me that are very supportive and, and willing to help me in, the, in this venture. But again, you know, I don't really have the, the path in law enforcement is to work 30 years and retire, collect your pension and, you know, go do whatever it is that you do after that. It's a scary thing to start a new venture. There's no, you know, blueprint that I can follow to to say that this is for sure, you know, 100% going to be successful. And so, you know, that's that's a very, you know, frightening thing at times. But again, I, I rely on my skill set and using it to provide value to people and be a good team player. And I am confident that, 
you know, I made the right choice. Let's say you came into some real money, three or $4 billion. What, if anything, would you do different in your life? I would do, well, you know, personally for me, I mean, it's funny you ask that question because I saw a video of, on ESPN, Shaquille O'Neal sees a guy in a jewelry store putting an engagement ring on layaway. And he, he slaps his card down and he pays for it, right? Somebody filmed him doing it. And if you watch Shaquille O'Neal's interview about it, they ask him about it. And he's like, you know, I don't do it for the notoriety. I just did it because it was the right thing to do. I was helping this guy out. And I do, I do that a lot. I met a lot of amazing people in Oakland that lived in violent neighborhoods. And they were, they're amazing people. I would love to be in a position to give back and provide resources to folks that otherwise might not have the opportunity that, that other people do. I'm a huge fan of Marshawn Lynch and what he's done for the community in Oakland. I'm a massive, huge fan of Damian Lillard, basketball player for the Portland Trailblazers and what he's done for East Oakland and his neighborhood, Brookfield. There is a tremendous amount of talent in in East Oakland that I came across. And that's what I think about most when I think about my career in law enforcement is, is the people that I've met and some of the, just the amazing folks that, that I was able to come into contact with. And so I think if I had that kind of money, I would dedicate my time to figuring out how to use that money on a very grassroots level to provide resources and value to folks that otherwise might not have it. Let's say you had a magic wand. There was one thing that you could do. What would that be? I don't know if I have a great answer for that. You know, I, that's a that's a tough one. And I don't want to just give you an answer. You know, I'm very aware that I can only control what I can control, but I'm laser focused about doing just that and, and controlling what I can control and letting go of what I cannot control. You know, I, I hope that answer doesn't disappoint, but that's a tough question. Yeah, well, I think that's a very important lesson to learn. I think it's one of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life is that I can control what I can control, but I can't control what's on the other side of that line. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, 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 you know, we, or I don't want to say we, I, I'll tell you about me, you know, I have anxiety sometimes about, or I call it anxiety. I don't know what it is, but you know, where you know, I'm worried about this or I'm worried about that. And I, and I constantly, when, when that happens, I remind myself, Hey, I can control only what I can control. You know, that's my actions. That's what I do, how I treat people. I can't control, you know, the feedback that I get. I can't control what people, you know, think about me or any, any number of other things, right. I can only control what's within my power. And I try really hard to let the rest go and just stay laser focused on, on, you know, what I'm doing and not in a selfish way. That's, that's certainly not what I mean by that, but you know, there's a lot out there that's totally out of my control. And, you know, I, I, I try my hardest to let, let that go. Is there anything that you want to talk about that we haven't covered? That's maybe perhaps on uh, the outline I sent you, or that's not on the outline or just anything else that you wanted to, to, to say or talk about this, uh, this experience was, was a lot different than what I thought it would be like. Your questions are very profound. They're very deep. They, they provide the opportunity some, for some very, you know, deep discussion and, you know, the ability to very quickly have your listeners learn about, you know, your guest. Christopher Eggers, thank you so much for joining me today on Love Thy Lawyer. It's been a fascinating experience talking to you. Lewis, thanks for having me. Really meant a lot to be here. Uh, 
big fan of your podcast and uh, I was happy to be a guest on it. So thank you very much. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. If you enjoyed listening, please share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast. If you have comments or suggestions, send me an email. I promise I'll respond. Take a look at our website at lovethylawyer.com where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts, photographs, and information. Thanks as always to my guests who share their wisdom and to Joel Katz for music, Brian Matheson for technical support, and Tracy Harvey. I'm Lewis Goodman. I guess I have a question for you and I would like to know, is that okay? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to edit this thing. It'll probably take it out anyway. So, you know, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah good. Well, I want, I want the outtakes, Lewis. you know, cause you're very good at this. You're very good at getting people to open up and I've been following you for quite some time. Yeah, You're and, one of the first people who, who, who checked in with me. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that fun? And, and look at me now, right? I told um, you not to leave the police department. <laughs>